Yo, what's up, guys? It's uh, Ben and Alex's podcast hitting you back. We got some special guests today. We got Jacob and Gabe coming in. Alex, you want to give them a good welcome for us? Hi, everybody. This is Alex. Uh, and hopefully by the end of this podcast, you won't be wishing for me to never return. If Alex does well enough today, we might cut Jacob out. <laughs> but uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll let you know by the end. <laughs> this is a trial run. Gabe, you can stay, I guess. Good. So we've missed quite a bit. The last thing we did was the Mank episode right after our Fincher marathon. We're doing the Christmas hits, Soul and Wonder Woman 1984. We've got some... No, wait, wait. We we got some explaining to do. We skipped an episode. Did we? Yeah. yeah. We were supposed to do Happiest Season and... Um, Wolf Walkers. Wolf Walkers. And we just didn't do it. We'll, we'll talk about them briefly we in our 2020 it. episode overall. Yeah, that's... That's what we decided, is that we didn't have enough to say, kind of, and that we'd wrap it up with other movies. Basically, fuck Happiest Season, and Wolfwalkers was sick. You guys aren't doing an episode on the Sharkboy and Lava Girl sequel. I was trying to get them to do it. I was trying to argue for doing a whole Robert Rodriguez episode. Bro, I was so on board with that. that. <laughs> the Rodriguez marathon would be such a whiplash. Spy Kids was honestly like one of my absolute biggest franchises growing up. Like I was obsessed with Spy yeah, Kids. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen it since I was like probably eight or so so i'd love to go back and watch those so quick up quick update on my life i just moved out and uh when i was packing up my house to move to my apartment i actually found a bunch of spy kids two mcdonald's happy meal toys and they were sick really that's cool awesome that's... i remember i made sure i got all of them like they were some of the coolest happy meal toys well that's an, i was gonna say that's another reason why we didn't do last episode i think we all were kind of busy christmas happened i finished my semester of school we went back to work, you know. There was just a bunch of stuff, and but we're here in the new year, you know, ready to talk about some big movies. Yeah. Drastically differing opinions on these movies too. So. Yeah, I know. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> Should be the opposite of. It'll be a lot of fun. I say, do you got a, do you got any news? Do we do news first or question of the week first? I don't remember how this goes anymore. Oh my god. News. <laughs> news. That's my job. All right, all right, all right. Uh, unfortunately, it's still all mostly DC Marvel news because that's just the way the world works. So I'm going to try to breeze by all that. Um, kind of big DC news. I feel like also any news with DC or Marvel is just recycled over and over again until it's like rumored, reported, confirmed. So like it was rumored, then it was reported. I think it's still just kind of a report, but uh, that Michael Keaton's Batman is going to take over as the definitive DCEU Batman after The Flash. It should be Ben Affleck's, like, last out as Batman, and then Robert Pattinson's is going to be totally separate. After that news came out, I um I went and watched those two movies, the Michael Keaton ones, and they're awesome. They're so much fun. Thank Total you. Total blast. <laughs> I, like, I think, like, bat, like, diehard Batman fans, I could see being, like, a little annoyed just because it goes against like the characters in so many ways but they're great like batman returns is still my favorite batman film i know i watched it yesterday and i think it might be like underneath dark knight for me but i think i like it more than batman begins and, and batman like the first one yeah it's definitely not comics accurate but where it takes it i think is very interesting it yeah, yeah. and i saw batman 89 at landmark like a year ago right before COVID hit. i saw it twice in one day same day <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because I saw it with you guys, and then my dad wanted to see it, so I saw it like an hour later. It was great. I'm pissed they didn't do Returns, though, because I still haven't seen Returns in like probably close to 10 years. 
They did returns. They did all four of them. Wait, really? Yeah, yeah they did one each week. I, I went to see all four. Bad. <laughs> I think you guys are just busy when uh, returns and like forever came out. But yeah, what do you guys think about Keaton coming back? You guys think they're doing Batman Beyond or? Okay, so when I watched the first one, he's kind of a goofy Batman and goofy Bruce Wayne. Like he's kind of like a bumbling buffoon, and it's great. The second one, he's like a lot more serious, like in Returns. I think that's when he really like kills the character. So I'm kind of excited to see where they where they go with it. It could be either one. I don't know. I think they're gonna take take it like a lot more serious than those movies. But I'd love just to see like him kind of be goofy again. He's kind of an idiot in those movies. I love it. I, I doubt they're gonna have him be like crazy psychopath killer Batman. Um and. Yeah, and while while I hope for it, I, I do doubt they're going to bring over that sort of Burton aesthetic, like the whole Art Deco German Expressionist Gotham. I expect it'll still be more contemporary. Um, however, if they do Batman Beyond, it would be cool to see that blending with like a cyberpunk aesthetic. I was going to say, like, do you think they, uh, they'd start that with this movie, or they'd kind of like introduce the character and then have him have his own sequel like spin-off kind of thing yeah i don't think he's that big a role in the flash so i think it'll definitely just be like a reintroduction to his batman because <laughs> he's playing batman yeah i suspect affleck's batman will have a bigger role because that'll be a send-off and then you'll have keaton sort of pick up the mantle and sort of be the mentor for the dcu and then i suspect they'll probably do like batgirl and nightwing and stuff and then transition into batman beyond if that works out Mm-hmm. I actually really hope that Ben Affleck's The Batman movie can somehow make it to HBO Max as like a miniseries or something. I hope so. Because he's a really good Batman who just had like the worst movies to showcase that in. So I think he got the short end of the stick. It's weird that 2021 seems like the year of like just like multiverses. Like every comic book movie is going to be dipping into that territory now. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is The Flash 2021? No, 20- I think it's lit. like Flash was the first one to announce it, but obviously all the production it's taken forever to actually come out. Yeah, yeah. What else you got, Benjamin? All right, so I'm gonna breeze by some more DC news. Apparently, Ray Fisher is like out, out as Cyborg now. He was supposed to be in the Flash, but he just confirmed he's not gonna do it anymore. Um, until like the higher upset Warner Brothers are changed. So apparently, he's just out of the entire. DC universe for now, which is like, I mean, it sucks, but like, I don't really care about it. Cyber, so. I don't think anyone was attached to that version of the character. Um, Amber Heard is potentially getting her own spin off as Mira. Third to me. I don't understand the decisions they're making. Oh my god. <laughs> roll my eyes. I think I'd rather see that trend spin off. Yeah, right? I'd, I'd roll my eyes at a Mira spin off even if I loved Amber Heard and I thought she was an amazing person. So the fact that all of this is coming to light and now they announce a spinoff I would roll my eyes at regardless is just fucking ridiculous. I'm so tired. Yeah, Alright, so my one brief snippet on Spider-Man 3 is Emma Stone's pregnant. So a lot of rumors that she's probably not going to be in Spider-Man 3 that now. A little bad baby, or a spider baby. But she's pregnant, that's cool. They're going to write it Stone, into the so movie. Spider-Baby. She was pregnant when she died. We're going to get a spider baby. They're going to bring her back to life. <laughs> spider baby. Spider baby saves her. Uh, I totally forgot this was even a thing. But uh, I guess Kevin Feige's still doing a Star Wars movie somewhere down the road. 
and they just got a writer attached to it, the writer for Doctor Strange 2, and Loki Season 1, I guess, which also just got confirmed to have a Season 2 before it even came out. Down. Down. I love that. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't care, because there's just so many announcements of, like, this person's doing a Star Wars movie, and this person's, but we don't know anything about the movies themselves, so, like, I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, like, Feige has a pretty decent track record, all things considered. And, like, I'm sure it'll be fine. But, like, yeah, it's hard to get too interested in without knowing who the writers, like, their actual work. Uh, so WandaVision premieres a week tomorrow. And we're recording this on Thursday. So January 15th, it comes out. Apparently it's going to premiere with a two-hour, like, a two-episode premiere, which I'm excited about because I want streaming services to start doing stuff like that they're already kind of taking away that live element to watching tv shows and i hate the idea of like all 10 episodes of a season launch at three in the morning and you're either expected to binge it all like by the next night or everything gets out and it's spoiled and everyone's talking about it at different times like i like when you can talk to your friends about a show that just came out and you're not like catching up like oh what episode do you want what episode like you're all watching it week to week yeah. and you can all talk about it organically week to week and then on top of that, I like the idea of like a two-hour premiere, a two-hour finale, the, the way that a lot of bigger shows doing do it. it because they want to keep that people and keep that membership going. You know? Yeah, but I'm down. It makes sense. Yeah, not necessarily the two-hour premiere, the week-to-week. Yeah, for sure, it's definitely yeah. Disney's way of getting but like, it. Like Mandalorian's better when it's like serialized week-to-week anyway. Well, I think the week-to-week honestly works better for streaming as well because like if you look now, like last year, there was like a bunch of Netflix shows that for like one week was like the biggest thing on social media and the internet and then everyone forgot about it immediately after but all the shows like the boys mandalorian yeah, yeah. stranger stranger things yeah, yeah. and time. like the shows that went week to week like you keep people engaged for like a few months and then it sticks with people more the boys was actually week to week this season yeah and people talked about it more but it was still weird because they premiered the first three episodes at once and then the final like four were week to week but, you know, it kept interest. I feel like that's definitely the way to do it, though, for streaming services to keep people invested. I think it's like a week after WandaVision ends. It's uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, and then right after Falcon and the Winter Soldier ends, it's Loki. So, like, re- regardless of whether you're excited for one of those shows, none of them, all of them, like, it's still cool that they're keeping it yeah. like that way, where there's always something new. Never ends. <laughs> Although, fuck them for having nothing in their first year of streaming. Um, So this is news that probably only I will give a shit about, or maybe listeners that really have a passion for theme parks. But the the Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster opening up at Epcot, well, they don't have a release date. It's supposed to open this year, but now because of COVID, we assume it's opening next year. But who knows? It could get pushed to 2023 at this point. Um, But they're trying to get it open as fast as they can. And they haven't been able to film, like, the on-ride, like, in-character segment with the actors and all that. And since the Guardians are basically all confirmed to be in Thor 11 Thunder, which they're starting filming in Australia soon with Taika Waititi, Taika has offered to film the ride segments with the Guardians cast in Australia. That's pretty cool. Taika will be doing all the directing for that ride, which sounds pretty cool. Fun. It's weird that it's not James Gunn, but... I'm down. Nintendo Park opened, I think, too, since the last episode. No, it has not. Well, they had the first uh, preview of it or whatever. It it previews next week for some people, and then it opens up February 4th. And Ben, you're going to be there, right? 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Break COVID laws. <laughs> go over there. I'm Orphan. so dead. I want to go so bad. Yeah, same. <laughs> I'm so curious to ride the Mario Kart ride. <laughs> Alright, is there anything else in news, or is that kind of is that it? Now we've got a couple quick things that aren't Marvel or uh, DC related. Uh, Richard Donner is going to direct Lethal Weapon 5. Who's stoked for that? I... <laughs> yep. Is anyone coming yeah. back? I don't know, they haven't said it yet. I think I think Mel Gibson and like Danny Glover are I, like normally I think okay I think Elite Weapon Five is a very stupid idea because they're both like way too old for this shit. But Richard Donner's coming out of retirement from like twelve to fifteen years, so I, I mean I'm curious because he can't be hurting for money, so could be good. Mel Gibson and Danny Glover confirmed to return. Okay. Look at that. Cool, cool, cool. Honestly, like here's my thing. I like those movies a lot. But like, it's not like Indiana Jones, we're all accept the argument of like, he's too old for it. He's going to ruin the franchise. Because to me, I'm so passionate about Indiana Jones that if there was, if, if five does suck equally as four or even somehow more than four, that would really hurt me. That would sting. So I want them to get that right. I don't give a fuck if Lethal Weapon 5 sucks. So just do it and let's see if it's fun. Like, I don't, it's not going to happen. I think they'll get Joe Pesci out of retirement again. I hope. <laughs> The lethal finale is what it's labeled as, according to this. I love that. <laughs> Call it that. Just lethal that's, finale. That's uh, quite the title. Um, quick, we talked about this in the group chat, but Clancy Brown is confirmed to be the main villain of the new Dexter series going on. I love Clancy Brown, so I just wanted to say that because he's a sick guy. We oh. stand, Mr. Krabs. In that one podcast. of the coolest voices. Yeah, that's going to be pretty cool. I hope he starts getting more live-action roles, too. I feel like he's literally just known as the guy who voices Mr. Krabs, and he's actually really good in, like, anything I've seen him in. I always just see him on TV. He's always in episodes. I'm like, hey, it's Clancy Brown, you know? Yeah, he's always in, like, one or two episodes of a big hit show. Like, Lost, he's in, like, two episodes in season four. Um, He voices a lot of things in Adventure Time for a couple episodes. He was really good in Detroit Become Human. He did the mocap for that game. He's also Lex Luthor in, like, the... Uh, Justice League show. Okay, cool, cool. From the early 2000s, yeah. And JLU, or just Justice? I think all of it, yeah. And I think he was even like Superman animated series. Like, he played Lex for a while. To go back to Marvel real quick, did we ever talk about Christian Bale being a part of the Thor Love and Thunder cast? Uh, Yeah, we definitely talked about it back in, like, July. Did we? Yeah, for sure. I don't think they announced the character name, though. Yeah, uh, as Gore, the God Butcher. Confirmed, but we talked that he was cast. Yeah, we we assumed he was probably going to be a villain, I think. Yeah, I'm looking at the Marvel website. Joins cast of Thor Love and Thunder as Gore, the God Butcher. That was published December 10th, so about a month ago. I mean, Christian Bale is just great and everything, so... I think it's going to be fun. I hope he hams it up a little bit. That's what I want to see. I just want to see him just go for That's it. The, this is like one of the few villains I actually know. He just goes and just kills. That's all I know. But he looks fucking cool. Alright, you know what? Last last Marvel thing I'll say. Jonathan Majors is going to be Kang as well in Ant-Man 3. That's pretty sweet. I don't like Jonathan Majors. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just fucking with you. 
My hatred for Jonathan Majors only comes from Jacob's love for Jonathan Majors. I feel like he's a good choice for Kang, but like I just don't want Kang in Ant-Man 3. What if Ant-Man 3 is the Thor Ragnarok? Yeah, I like Ant-Man when it's more small scale. Is that a pun? It's Peyton Reed, though. So I'm also works. mad that it's called Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Cause, uh, I, really, I really thought they were going to go with my title. Which was? Ant-Man and the Wasp and Ant-Man and the Wasp. Just keep... <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> there's two Ant-Man there's two Wasps. Just keep it going. <laughs> and then Actually, include his daughter as the next Wasp, so then the next one will just be Ant-Man and the Wasp and Ant-Man and the Wasp and the Wasp. <laughs> just be Ant-Man squared and the Wasp to the power of three. Exactly. Right. Like Alien 3. Just Alien to the power of three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Damien Chazelle has got a new movie coming out in 2022. Just got a release date, so I'm excited to see whatever he does. But honestly, I didn't love... I don't even remember the name of it now. What was the... First Man? First Man. First Man, yeah. It was, what, it I was didn't fine. Watch it, but... He's still was good. an amazing director in that film. And it's a good movie. I just didn't love it. Like, I love Whiplash. La La Land's one of my all-time favorite movies. So First, First Man was a disappointment to me. I don't know what this means, but I, I never used Screen Rant. And I was just looking for movie news that wasn't marvel and dc so quickly i went on screen rant to get some news up and this is the title i didn't even read the article because i didn't want to i just read this title i don't know if this means anything more to you than it does to me but i needed this is technically movie news so i'm going to say it okay it says bean dad apologizes for abusive and racist rant oh the so, can, the can, okay. is it the can bead dad yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, that fucking guy. Fuck that What's guy. There's just, this, movie? there's just this weird Twitter thread about this guy asking his daughter to open a can of beans or something. I didn't really follow it, but... Oh, yeah. People... He was, like, being abusive, I think. Not, like, abusive, but he was just, like... Being an ass. It said she made her... He made her do it for, like, six hours, and people were, like, being, like, you asshole, why would you hey. put your daughter through the that? guy? Like, hours? he's not an actor? He's, like, a writer. Yeah, it's just he's like, like a songwriter for some show. I don't know. Okay, well, I'm ending off my news on that one, so. Fuck you, Bean Dad. That's the <laughs> no, fuck you, Bean Dad. Is there going to be a movie for that? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I just saw it on Screen Rant, so. Bean Dad gets his own movie. Puts his daughter through that for six hours. That's the movie. <laughs> All right, that, that took quite a while, though, so let's get to uh, let's get to question of the week. Alex, did you get a question, or? Uh, no. Say no? No, sorry. Gabe, you want to do it? Uh, yeah, it's a simple question. It's easy. Um, so since we're doing Soul as one of our movies, the director of this movie is uh has a pretty good lineup of movies he's done. So out of the four movies that he's directed, that Pete Doctor's directed, just rank them. One through four, four through one, any order. I'll go first. You go first. Uh, chronological order. Or he gets worse every movie he makes. <laughs> <laughs> and what are the uh, four again? Monsters Inc., Up, Inside Out, and Soul. Okay. I haven't seen Inside Out. I'm like one of the only people who hasn't. But I'd say Monsters Inc. number one, then Up, then Soul. Oh, okay. Jacob. It's been a while since I've seen Monsters Inc. and Up. But like, it's weird. I remember when I was a kid, I remember liking Monsters Inc. more, but then like watched up a lot more when i was in like my teenage years 
So I don't know. I'd say probably yeah, Monsters Inc. Up, Inside Out, then Soul as well. Mine is a little different. It's, I think we are all contestants. Monsters Inc. is number one. But then I go Inside Out, then Soul, then Up. I don't like Up that much. It's weird. People either like think Up's like the best Pixar movie ever, or people really don't like it. Because I think everyone just like either focuses too much on the first 10 minutes and ignores the rest, or they are too harsh on the rest. I think. Like, I think it's still a great movie that is definitely bookended by an amazing opening and some great closure to that story. But I still like the adventure. I still, I still like the movie. movie. Like, okay, well, that went against what I just said. I don't like, I like it, but I don't like love it. Um, mostly because a lot of these Pixar movies and how much I enjoy them is all about how much I remember them in the sense of, I can remember if I enjoyed them. I always want to go back. And Inside Out, I remember, was one that I really loved. And I've watched it like three times since then. With Up, obviously, like most people, I remember the first 10 minutes. And then I've seen this movie like four or five times now. But the first 10 minutes, I remember. And then the rest of the movie, I just didn't care for or remember. Not to say it's not a good movie. Doug. But, okay. See, that was, that was one thing to somebody that I work with brought that up, the dog. And I was like, oh, I just completely forgot that that was a character in that fucking movie. But yeah, easy question. We've been off for three weeks. So I didn't want to do anything too brain-busting. Yeah, it's been a while since I've kind of gone through the Pixar movies. I want to kind of go back and watch all of them. There's some of them I missed, too. Like, I haven't seen Cars 2 or 3. Not that I like need to or anything, but... Those are the best ones. Oh. I want to complete yeah. the list, you know? hasn't really seen anything since Toy Story 3. Oh my god, I fucking watched half of the movies. I haven't watched any of them. Get out of here. Maybe. Okay, but you also just recently this year did. What have you seen? Just Coco, Inside Out, Soul, and Onward? Uh, what else was there? You haven't seen Cars 2, 3, Brave, no, I've Good seen, Dinosaur. I've seen okay. Good Dinosaur. Fighting Toy Story 4. Incredibles 2, Incredibles you saw, 2. right? You haven't seen Finding Dory, though? I just haven't seen Monsters, Inc., uh, Good Dinosaur, and Finding Dory in Cars 2 and 3. You're not missing much. Yeah, you don't have to. You can skip them all. If anything, I saw, like, the better ones out of that list. (laughs) I know, but I remember you made that statement after Soul where you were like, Pixar's been killing it this decade or something. (laughs) And I was like, fuck you. You've only watched the good films. Like, you you picked the four best of their like 10 movies and the other six suck yeah, you're right it's not that they've been killing it but it's more that whenever they do kill it you know it's it makes me positive of, the, of them I, again i fucking hate them in this year so both of them they, they put out a movie and i'm like that's pretty good and then i just ignore the the ones i don't want to see and then whenever they put out another good one i'm like man they're just doing great <laughs> willfully ignorant are you guys excited for disney pixar's adaptation of call me by your name <laughs> next year I'm stoked. I'm excited for Lightyear. Stoked for that one. It's called Luca. It's called Luca. Yeah. Named after the director. I want Lightyear. Give me it. I'm not Lightyear. <laughs> Have you guys Fuck seen Lightyear. that uh, straight to? I don't... Yeah. I... Have you guys seen the straight to TV or straight to VHS like Buzz Lightyear movie, like the animated yeah, one? Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. It became yeah, a yeah. show too. Like that was a like a TV pilot, and then there was an it's animated just, show. It was it's great. It's gonna be that, you know. What the fuck is this? Turning red? 
Yeah, isn't the Lightyear movie though? It's about the actual, well, the actual astronaut who inspired the Buzz Lightyear toy. So it won't be like a sci-fi thing. It's just going to be. Wait. Yeah, that sounds so what, much really? less interesting. I know. Yeah, it's it's about the person who inspired the toy in the Toy Story universe. Oh. Yeah, it's not going to be like Buzz versus Zerg. I know. I wish oh, I would have loved that. Man. <laughs> just wait. And he watches the real Buzz Lightyear take off into space. And then he pulls on his mom's arm and says, I one day hope I have a toy of that guy. <laughs> I was going to say it. Yeah, I'm not excited I thought they were that. going like the serious dark route. Just one word title, Lightyear, you know. Origin story. <laughs> I've really liked Disney animation ex- ex- exponentially more so than I have Pixar in the last 10 years. Like I, I really like Frozen, Tangled, Wreck It Ralph. I'm a lot more excited for uh, Raya: The Last Dragon than I am for either of the Pixar movies I saw this year. I haven't seen Big Hero Six, but I heard that's great. Nah, it's good, but it's not great. <laughs> Fuck that movie. Fuck that movie for stealing the Oscar for How to Train Your Dragon Two. Okay. Because <laughs> Big Hero Six basically just stole so much from that franchise, and then it was just a worse version and. How to Train Dragon 2 was just a way better sequel, so fuck them. Oh my god. Ben's bias is yeah, showing. the Kingdom Hearts version of it. Do you know, for three times in a row, Disney robbed How to Train Dragon of their animated Oscar. And only <laughs> once did it deserve to be robbed from it. And that was Toy Story 3 beating out the first How to Train Dragon. Okay, I haven't seen Big Hero 6. Alright, Ben, we're gonna move on now. <laughs> Worked up. We're moving on. Then got worked up. Disney, Disney, Pixar conversations really work Ben up. And now let's talk about a movie Ben hates. Soul. <laughs> let's work him up some more. <laughs> All right, I'll get this going. So Soul, um, released Christmas Day, Disney Plus on streaming services. Um, in a brief, according to IMDb. It is about a musician who has lost his passion for music, is transported out of his body, and must find his way back with the help of an infant soul learning about themselves. Hmm. I don't know how accurate that is, but sure. Directed. <laughs> he loses his passion for music. According to this, he does. Uh, directed by Pete Doctor, co-directed by Kemp Powers, also re- written by Pete Doctor, Mike Jones. And there's one more credit on here that they don't show me. Camp Powers and its stars. Jamie Foxx as the voice of Joe. Tina Fey as 22. You got Graham Norton, Rachel House, Alice Braga, Richard. I don't know how to say his last name. Ah, Questlove's in this. I didn't even know that. That's cool. Um, Just to name a few. I'm really happy that Graham Norton's in there. That was a big surprise for me. I didn't know he's ever done like voice acting. So, should we start with the people who think highly of this or the people who don't think highly of this? Let's alternate. Let's alternate? Okay, so, Ben, you're first up on the list, so we'll let you get everything off your chest. You guys start saying some good things about it before (laughs) I shit all over it. All right, fine. Well, I'll go. Yeah, okay, so, I mean, it's a Disney Pixar movie, so what do you expect? You're going to get good animation you're gonna get a heartfelt story or it it's 
one of the t- it's the top animation company in the world. What the fuck do you expect to get from this movie? Like, I wasn't expecting to be let down, which I wasn't. Um, the music's great in it, and I think that's a common consensus. And uh, oh yeah, I guess I should say who did the music for it? Jacob's favorite <laughs> duo, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. That's why it's so great. Yeah. It's like, why did they ever let like Pixar ever let them do it? It's awesome. So it's almost guaranteed they're going to get an Oscar this year because they got two chances. That was such a shock when the credits rolled. I'm like, what the fuck? Um, but yeah, in short, I really enjoyed it. Um, like, I do have issues with it, and those are just minor ones. I can see, I can understand why people don't like certain aspects of it and why others do. Um, it's not my favorite animation of the year. And we'll eventually talk about that in our year wrap up, but still solid. What you expected to get from the top animation company in the world. <laughs> so yeah, what about you, Jacob or Ben or Alex? Ben, you want to rip it apart, or do you want me to go on first? Oh, I'll ease into it. So I've had huge issues with Pixar ever since Toy Story three. I thought they were the perfect animation studio or just film studio in general all the way up to toy story 3 the only times they'd ever slightly let me down were bugs life upon reflection wasn't incredible to me it was just good and cars is just good as well i know alex is gonna how dare you how dare you but are you saying you like toy story 3 no, or toy like, story 3 was like the perfect ending to yeah, studio yeah. <laughs> um so the way you worded it was kind no, of sorry. Post Toy Story three, because right off, like right off the bat, after Toy Story three, they kicked it off with Cars two, and they literally, I think, a couple of months before they announced Cars two, they were talking about Toy Story three before it came out, and they, people were already asking about Toy Story four. And I think at the time they were saying, "This is it for Toy Story. This is the ending." They're like, "We don't want to do sequels unless it is really warranted." So people were like asking for a Monsters Inc two, asking for Finding Nemo two. And they're like, we don't want to just do a sequel to a movie unless the story really deserves it. And then two months later, they announced Cars 2 being about Mater becoming a super spy. And I was like, I'm not excited for what they're doing here. And I didn't like Brave. Monsters University was fun, but didn't need to be made. And basically everything, everything outside of Coco and Inside Out, I have not really given a shit about. Even Cars 3, I gave the benefit of the doubt. I was like, Cars 3 looks like they're trying to course correct this franchise. And Cars 3 was painfully boring. Sorry again, Alex. <laughs> no, it's fine. I actually haven't seen Cars 3. Um, although I do love the first one. Okay. But yeah, so I, I went into this year still optimistic. Like For some reason, every time they come out with an original film, I'm still very hopeful it'll be great. I didn't. I wasn't really excited for either of the movies this year, like upon trailers. And then onward, I guess you could call it disappointment or it just met my expectations. It was fine. It didn't look great. It was pretty much exactly what I thought it was going to be. It was fine. It was solid. Uh, I was definitely way more excited for Soul than I was for Onward, just with the emotional potential this film had and its concept. I never, the trailers never grabbed me and I was never super excited by it, but I still, even going into it, like I, I expected this movie to wow me. Like I really thought I was going to go into this movie and come out having used an entire box of tissues, just like bawling my eyes out. And 
I don't think I think it's the only Pixar movie. No, probably not the only one, but one of the only ones where I didn't tear up in the slightest. I don't know how a movie literally about life and death made by Pixar is one of the least emotional films I've ever seen in my entire life. But on top of it, it's one of the least enjoyable film experiences I've had in years because it's it's a kid's animated film. And outside of the stellar animation and the music, there's nothing I enjoyed. The characters were all incredibly bland, even when they were three-dimensional characters you know, with, with certain ambitions that were, and, and character arcs that were interesting. The execution was so boring. I think I laughed once and it was more so laughing at Mary's reaction to a joke than it was me laughing at the film. Like after, outside of that, I thought all of the humor was either really cheap, childish, or just didn't work for me. And the emotion was just so forced and was just not there for me at all. And I cry at anything. Like, I, I don't know if anyone knows this yet, but I cry at literally anything. And this movie is one of the least emotional experiences I've had. Wow. All right. I, I had heard your text rants. I did not realize you felt that strongly about it. Yeah. Here's the thing. Like, I don't think this is a bad film. I think it's worse than a bad film because it's so <laughs> mid. It's, it's... <laughs> I was trying to give a compliment for one. Like, I think I gave it a three out of five on Letterboxd because, like, it's solid. Again, animation and musically, it's great. Um, there, there are some definite, you know, there's some great potential in there. I just think it's either middling or it's coasting off the coattails of everything else Pixar has done. Especially it's coasting off the coattails of everything else that Pete Doctor has done. Because if, if there's anything in this movie that's great, he already did it better in a different movie of his. See, that's what, So I didn't need this movie. That's when, when you give movies like 3 out of 10, or 3 out of 5 and you still hate them. That's why I want you just to give it like give it like a 1 star. I just want to see you like just put your I actual did, I did feelings down to a 2.5 but even then I was like ah, that's just how I feel and I know that it is like a 6 so Who I changed cares? it back that, if that's how you feel put it, yeah, fuck it. I'll move it to a 2.5 get the yeah. hot takes I love it <laughs> it's the only take <laughs> I think this one anyway, is fun to embrace yeah. I will rip into it more later but I think I want to wait until each of you talks about a scene that you think is great and then I'll tell you why you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> usually right. i'm not this much of an asshole in my opinions either because it's all subjective who, who who gives a shit none of this is objectively good or bad but i'm gonna for the sake of this episode i'm objectively right and i'm gonna tell you why it's funny because i just like my my opinion is just completely opposite of yours but alex you want to go first uh sure so i definitely had Okay, like, like obviously the reviews and the hype from everybody was very high for this film, but admittedly, like Ben, I wasn't super hyped for the film initially, just because I didn't think the trailers looked all that interesting. Um, but since it's Pixar and it's an original Pixar, I always give it the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I too have also been kind of lukewarm on modern Pixar. Um, but I'm like, you know, it's Pete Doctor. His past Pixar films are really good. So, And then I heard Ben's take on it, and I was, I did lower my expectations a bit, but then finally watching it, uh, I thought it was great. I didn't love it. Um, I do have some issues with it near the end. Um, but overall, I think like everyone else has said, the animation is stellar. I mean, like, remove the characters from the New York scenes and it almost looks photoreal at times. Yeah. Uh, just the lighting and textures and everything. Uh, the music is fantastic. Um, and honestly, I just found the movie to be really heartfelt and 
I thought the story was really interesting, um, and it definitely went in places I didn't expect. Um, the trailers are actually very, very misleading as to what the film really is. Um, but yeah, no, I just found it to be a really charming, funny, it was an enjoyable film. I liked it. Yeah, so like like we've all mentioned, like the animation music is top-notch as well. Like you were saying, uh, Alex, I thought the fucking animation looks so photorealistic when they're showing like the New York like there's a scene where it just kind of shows the apartment and then it goes to the building and then it kind of keeps on going higher and higher and it's one shot of the city of just all of New York City and it just looked like like it was just a photo it gets taken from a it gets screenshot and fool someone yeah like I, I I was blown away it just seemed like they were flexing at some points during the movie <laughs> but like there was also the point too when he kind of first goes into a like when he, what's, God, I don't even know what the word is. It's been like a month since I've seen this movie. No, it has. It's been two the, weeks. The, the, no, it's not been. <laughs> the great when he first goes into the great beyond. What's what's the black the black space he like falls into though? What's the name great of beyond. that place? No. Is that the, I thought the white place. I don't think it has a name. Beyond. It's just like the the waiting area for the great beyond. Okay. Well, yeah. When he first falls into the waiting area, and it kind of goes to like black and white, and it's just all like the line work of the characters. I thought that was awesome. Like the line work too on a. All the the Jerry's and Terry's, I thought that was amazing, like the Picasso stuff. And there's a cool little behind the scenes of like they did wires to kind of like create the characters to give an idea of how they would look. And it's just all of that stuff is just amazing. But I thought it was actually like one of the more like relatable stories, where it just seemed like Twenty Two and Joe's, like the the arcs they kind of go through are just feel like very relatable to like both like people in their mid 20s people that are like in their teenage years and it's just a good story about existentialism that i thought was like you know really hit home for me at least and when it's just weird that you say like you didn't think it was emotional at all because i thought it like i didn't cry but by the end of it i just felt so good you know i just made me feel like good about life it's one of those pixar movies where i just felt like great afterwards and it's like there was a ton of scenes though where i just felt like very emotional like the barber scene just I thought there's so many moments that made me want to appreciate life and kind of made me feel better about life in general that I think it's so weird that you didn't get anything out of it. <laughs> you heartless bastard. Can I fit in the barber scene question? Yeah, no, I, I, feel, I feel the same way as you did, Jacob, for just making you appreciate sort of the little things in yeah. life. And also with like the kind of Picasso looking uh, Jerry and Terry's. Yeah. I absolutely loved when Terry was going through the city and how he kind of like molded in with like graffiti and like all like the signs and stuff yeah, around so the, creative, like. the new york to the skies it was cool yeah but uh I'll, I'll wrap up the first thing i'll say before you can kind of tear apart everything i like about this movie <laughs> but uh yeah i don't know i just felt like it was one of the one like pixar movies that just really struck a chord with me like everything that it was saying i just really felt it i feel like i've kind of been at that place where both of the characters have I know you said they're bland, but I don't know. I feel like they have a lot of flaws in their characters, and that's what made me like them so much. Is because they're so three dimensional, like you said. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't really get that they were bland ever. Okay, so for what's the main guy's name again? Joe. Joe. It's Joe in twenty two. Yeah. For Joe's character, anytime there's a flaw for his character, there's no direct resolution. Take the the barber shop scene. That whole scene is just to show. Wait, should, or is this just spoilers now? <laughs> like, I mean, should we just say it's spoilers? 
I guess. Should we? I feel like at this point, though, we're kind of going to talk about this movie without just talking about the themes and breaking down scenes. I feel like that's really what your problems are at. Okay, the first thing I'll do is there's only one huge spoiler we're going to get into before the end, so let's get that out of the way. If you haven't seen it, it's the big trailer misdirect, which I also say I love when a film's able to hide something as big as this in a film which is like half of the movie. I think that's so cool and so rare nowadays for a film to be able to hide this. Why did they hide this? This was the one of the worst parts of the entire movie. It's one of the most overdone cliches in animation. And it was definitely one of the central figures of why I didn't appreciate this movie. He becomes a fucking cat for half the film. <laughs> <laughs> like who... Who wanted that? And it wasn't even a. I I love cats. You guys know how obsessed I am with my cat. Mary loves cats. Even Mary, who likes cats more than I do, both of us rolled our eyes when that happened. Also, it's not even a fucking cute cat. Like at least <laughs> a funny cat. At least give me the cliche cute Pixar character. You know, like make it a cute snuggly cat. There was like no personality to this cat. It was just there for comical relief. It wasn't even a character. Like it wasn't even someone's cat. It was just like. It was someone's cat. cat. Well, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't, like, one of the characters' cats. It was just a therapy cat placed on him for some reason, which also isn't a thing. Yes. Not just placed there without someone's, like... You you ask for a therapy cat. You don't just have one placed on your comatose body. <laughs> have you been comatose, Ben? Do you know that as a fact? It's not like a religious ritual where they're like, oh, maybe this will wake him up. Let's put this cat on his lap. <laughs> Maybe she brought the cat in, put it down, and then the cat just made its way over. So and started sleeping, and they're like, "Well, so he's trying. It. Joe's trying to get back to his body from the great before, and he ends up accidentally taking twenty-two with him, who's a soul who doesn't want to ever live. And the second I saw the cat on his lap, I was like, "Oh my god, they're doing a fucking body swap!" And Tina Fey goes into Joe's body, and he goes into the cat's body. Which is also just annoying that a coincidence like that wrecks the entire film. Like, all that could have happened is if he would have shifted two feet over, end of story. Like, I don't even really... I'm, I'm a little blurry on the logistics, but I know that didn't make sense within the world either, the way that they were able to both do that. Like, there's so many rules in this great before, great beyond situation that they go back on constantly. The logistics of it make absolutely no sense. And I don't even think it's that interesting of a world building. Like, I just want to rip apart even the whole idea of finding your passion as a soul before you're a person. That's such a stupid concept. Like, does your actual life on Earth have no impact on that? Everything's predetermined? Okay, so I clearly you didn't watch the movie because the ending was literally that. No, that isn't the point. Um why do they even go through that? That's just, I, I, I got that too, but that's such a stupid I, thing. I, I think that was more just a mystery. I'd have to see it a second time. But yeah, the whole message was that you're not put on earth for one thing necessarily. Like that's not, oh, my only reason to live is this activity or this passion. Um, yeah. That is one thing I will agree with you on as one of my issues with the movie is that usually Pixar is really good because they take these sort of simple ideas and they just execute it really clearly, really concisely to the point. Um. And with this movie, the whole concept of like the great beyond the world was a lot more broad and vague than they usually do. And so some of the logistics and details kind of get lost in the shuffle. Um, but yeah, and then also with the cat thing, I can't prove this, 
But I have a feeling the cat thing was added because they're like, okay, this movie is going to bore the shit out of children. It's going to have nothing that they're going to be interested in. So let's have a funny cat. Yeah, this is a movie that's like for kids, but I feel like small children would be bored out of their minds. But that doesn't say that's not an excuse. Yeah, it reaches a lot of adult things. Well, I just, I, I think a lot. Because yeah, I think the themes are just going to go, honestly, over their heads. It's just they can't really relate to it. Like, you have to have some life experience, I think. I think with the cat, though, I think it kind of like, like, I, I do agree some of the, the humor in it was a little, like, cheap and a little easy, where it's just kind of like, oh, he's doing silly cat thing like that's funny whatever kind of thing but i'd feel like it completely fit into the theme of the movie though like being able to see your life from somebody else's perspective kind of gave him the admiration for his own life in a way you know but he only really sees one aspect of his life in a new light by watching 22 and it's a big issue for me in the film like what does he learn as a cat outside of his body that he couldn't learn on his own that he had like that he always could have just opened up to people you know he was always kind of scared that like no one else wanted to kind of talk to him and that he won't ever have anything interesting to say and he goes to the barbershop he goes to the barbershop yeah he goes to the barbershop and he just kind of like she starts kind of talking to the guy asking about his life and he's just like you know why didn't you ever ask about me it's like you never ask and do you know what's one of the most bullshit parts of that he learns nothing from that that's such a huge <laughs> character moment of you literally don't give a shit about anybody else and all you do is talk about yourself and your passion. And there's never a, se- a single moment after that where he shows that he cares about people and that he's opening up to people at all. I don't he know, learns the, nothing. That seems like... They don't even mention that moment ever again. Like, there's nothing about that moment that has an impact on him. But I, I totally disagree. I mean, I think... life doesn't conclude that concisely. Yeah. Sorry? Like, it's, like, the whole movie, though, is kind of these different fragments in, like, that, that aspect. Not the whole movie, but like when he's at the cat, like he's just kind of doing all these different things, you know? They don't kind of come back together, but. What do you mean? They're all part of his arc, though, but like those plot elements don't have to really come back. Like after they went to the barbershop, I didn't expect to see those characters again. I'd like to see that he's not just going to keep being that person. No, but the thing is, though, is that it was. At the end of the movie. Yeah, like the whole thing was basically that, like, he thought his whole passion was just music and he was so absorbed with it and so obsessed with it, and he basically just ignored everything else in his path. And obviously he failed to appreciate the small things in his life, the people in his life, because ultimately one of the great gifts that he was like providing the world was like inspiring others. Um, like, I mean, he inspired the Jerry's at the end, which saved his life. Um, and even just like the students that he was able to uh, teach and inspire as a teacher. Uh, and those were like great things he had done that he just didn't really take notice of. Uh, I feel like the one with the student, it's not that he didn't take notice of it. They're like, I don't feel like that was an obvious answer to that one. But we always kind of see him, like, not frustrated, but just kind of, like, kind of bummed out that he can't get them to play right. But he's not really noticing, like, that he's even inspiring them at all. Like, it shows the the one clip in The Great Beyond where he sees the, the kid playing drums, I think it was. And he sees the kid doing shit, and he's kind of looking, like, feeling all bad about himself. And then he kind of looks again fondly on it. And it's like, okay, yeah, the kid's doing shit, but, like, you know, you're teaching him. And he's, you know, learning, and he's feeling good about himself just getting better over time also so one of my least favorite scenes in this movie is everybody's go-to favorite scene for the most part i don't know if it's your guy's favorite scene but on the internet i've seen largely it's the most like emotional scene and i think it's one of the least emotional scenes a pixar film's ever done and it's the confrontation with his mom you guys have any thoughts on that scene or 
Okay. Okay. Before, before I say anything, I wanted to kind of bring this point up again too. We kind of like glossed over it, or I didn't get to mention it, but yeah, like the logistics of this world in this movie are, <laughs> they are just so glossed over to no. the point where it's like, it's really sloppy. Honestly, it's it's really weird. The biggest one I think we talked about this, like me and Ben talked about this, is where when he even breaks out of like the the waiting area. They say it's the first time it's happened in like centuries. It's like no one's tried to escape yeah, that's death. So before. stupid. And it's like the like every situation that happens in the movie. If you ever have any doubt of it, it could all kind of get tied back to that like that happening. Like when he goes out and he's in the zone and like exploring all of that. It's like why has this never happened before? It's like oh well, it hasn't happened in centuries. It's just such a like an easy way to explain everything away it doesn't as it's happening and he's like realizing that he's dead and he turns around and like one, one of the only go-to people that are there with him on the escalator to be kind of like the contrast is i think she says she's like 96 years old or like 106 some, some crazy old age and she's like ready to accept death and i'm like that's fine there are definitely people that are going to be willing to accept death probably a 96 whatever how 106 year old woman might be but like I feel like they only did that to have kind of a contrast to him reacting so differently. So many people would react like that. How many people are going to die and all you have to do is take one step to the right to fall to the great before and no one's done that in centuries? Like nobody's freaked out about their death. They all accept it in the 10 seconds it takes to get up the fucking escalator. Like that's the whole point. They didn't want to risk dying twice. <laughs> nobody even just runs down the escalator like nobody else tries to do anything it is a little silly but i mentioned it then because you mentioned the cat scene or the the scene with his mom and it's like is it implied that the cat is meowing like meowing in between every sentence like joe is talking to his mom but his the cat's supposed to be like relaying all the words and it kind of was in the back of my mind but i still felt the emotion of the scene and i was able to kind of ignore it that's not even like an issue with me. That is funny to think about. Like the whole time he's talking, this cat's just like meowing constantly in the background. I was at one point, mom was like, "Can you tell your cat to shut up? Like we're having a moment here." Does he need to go outside? Um, What's a problem? Like that is like the big emotional climax of the film. Maybe not emotional climax, but it's definitely the most talked about emotional scene of the film. One, we have no like relation or connection to his mom in that movie at all at that point we've had like one quick scene with her we don't like her that much we don't even really understand why joe's terrified of her at the moment there's no real connection with them at all and all it is is the story of from coco with the main kid and his mom hating her she hates music because his dad left to go be a musician and then never came back so she hates music it was literally just that story but in a, a less interesting, more mundane version. And it was so dumbed down because we never get to see the relationship or really get to know why the mom feels that way. And the resolution is so fucking quick. Like Coco, it takes so much across that entire film to get to that emotional climax at the very final five minutes. And it takes so much in the mom's life to be able to accept her son and his love of music. This movie, all it took was Joe to literally have the most cliche speech about why music is his life. Like that's that, that speech in itself. Like I don't, if, it's fine if you guys do enjoy it. I took that apart like word by word. I thought it was one of the most cliche 
overused monologues about someone who has a passion for something just going on about it and i'm like have you just never fucking told her you really like music like is it just like she tells you to go get a real job and you're like ah nah music's the money maker like you never just sit down and tell her you fucking love it because you told her it for two seconds and now she's totally okay with it not only is she on board with it she's just handing over her ex-husband's suit to you telling you to go she's coming to your show cheering you on like it was such a quick turnaround with no work whatsoever put into that relationship to get there i don't understand how anybody's emotional unless they really related to it in something on their own life like it made no sense to me that people came away from that crying and bawling their eyes out it wasn't so much that she hated music she had an issue with the music part because obviously he was got a job as a music teacher it was just that obviously she saw her late husband suffering um and struggling to put food on the table um and she well, and at least like she was making up the money to make up for that. Well, Joe, he has nobody, so she doesn't want to see her son struggle. So she's just overly concerned to make sure that he has a stable income. Um, I mean, I guess I can see what you mean when it's like, how has Joe never told this to her before? But as you can kind of see earlier in the film, like he is pretty closed off and he usually doesn't open up to people or sort of listen to what they have to say. So it's understandable that he's just so absorbed with what he wants to do that he just completely like dismissive of anyone who's trying to get in the way of like his dream so like i, I honestly I, I bought it it didn't really bother me while watching it but even if, even if that is the case that he really actually hasn't like it's not like it's hard to see that you don't have to have your son explain his passion to you for you to see that in him like it did and to me that's the joke i think in the movie you're not supposed to actually think he's never talked to her about how much he loves music. I think it's supposed to be the one time he really stands up to her and stands up for himself. And it didn't, it doesn't come across, it comes across as that, but it doesn't work as that because we don't see their relationship over the course of the film. We only have one or maybe two brief moments with them before that big climactic so, monologue. I'm guessing you want to see the sole prequel film that's all about him and his mom. Whole <laughs> university. So bad. I just think, it definitely shouldn't have been the big emotional moment of the movie. And it was such a quick turnaround after a two minute speech for her to just be in for her. All we know about her character is she's very practical, wants him to be sensible and earn money make a living and have a good life. And in the span of two minutes, she turns around and is totally on board with it all. So you got something to say there, Gabe? Uh, that's a lot to take in. I mean, I can agree with Ben on the lack of emotional ties this movie has to me. Like, I okay, I understand. I am not an emotional type of person. There's been movies we have all watched where I've been like, yeah, that was good. And you guys are like, oh, yeah, this was pretty sad or this was very emotional. I'll be like, yeah, whatever. And it takes a lot for a movie to make me feel things. Um, this definitely wasn't one of them. And I, I like I can understand I can see why people would think this movie has a lot of emotion to it and they can resonate with it personally. Nothing specifically in this movie could tie into my life. Like I know Jacob, you're a big fan of music. You love like you make our intros to these podcasts. You love doing that, and that's fine. I can understand why you would connect with this movie a little more than some other people. Um. I don't know. I feel like there was just something missing in this movie. And I don't know, maybe it was like a scene, maybe it was 
a, a few like 10 minutes longer or something to tie on to the end of other scenes like i don't know i don't know what it was but there was just something i felt like it was missing and other pixar movies or disney pixar whatever movies in the past can make me laugh easily this one i feel like there was a lack of humor in it to me at least like the there was really only one scene that made me laugh and it's just because i'm a fan of basketball and it was when 22's or said yeah the knicks jokes like oh i've been messing with them for so long and then it's just the knicks missing a shot and then losing a game that made me laugh um i will say I i did enjoy that though i mean i don't Anyone I've talked to that has seen it hasn't been you two. Um, didn't really talk about these scenes or didn't really care for them because they were just kind of there as filler. But I enjoyed the scenes where 22 is talking about all the people she's come across and how nobody's been able to help her find her, quote, passion in the context of their scene. So it means like Abe Lincoln. Ben hates that and, joke. Yeah. I enjoyed it, though. But yeah. I don't know. I I can understand where both or all three of you guys are coming from with this movie. I I don't know. Like like I just feel like there was something something missing really for me. I'm not sure what it was, but I still really enjoyed it. Um Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got. This isn't uh like a good thing or a bad thing about the film, but did any, anybody else fully expect twenty two to mess with Joe when he was doing his big performance. Cause I thought that all those jokes about her messing with people when they're in the zone was going to come up with the fact that she's back in the great before when he's doing his big performance and she's pissed at him at that time. I was like, Oh, she's going to fuck with him during his performance. And then nothing happened. That would have been hilarious. Like, no, but, but she's becoming a lost <laughs> soul. Like I was like, I was nervous at that point of the movie. I'm like, oh my god, he's like, he's gonna fucking go and she's gonna mess with it, and then nothing happened. Not that I would like. I did find a lot of the concepts of this movie kind of interesting. Like, um, when people kind of forget what they're passionate about, forget what they love, and they just kind of live a dreary, mundane life. Like that, I don't know. I think it was an accountant or something. And the guy, he ended up just repeating the same thing, and they snap him out of his whatever the fuck i can't remember what it's called he's working in an office you guys remember that scene am i that's a wall street broker broker yeah, yeah yeah that guy like that stuff i was like oh that's like i never thought of it that way or, or the ideas of having people um like have their tendencies and personalities and characteristics of somebody be predetermined rather than something they've grown into uh that was an interesting thing to look at in life that actually, that was like one of my favorite lines in the movie, was when the the soul's like, "I'm an manipulative maniac who's intensely opportunistic." And Jerry's like, "Oh ho, this one's gonna be a handful." Yeah. <laughs> um. What did I? Or the the one thing I did say, but after watching this movie and leaving it for like a week and a half, is that this was more so just a joke. But then I thought about it more, and I'm like, okay, maybe is that maybe soul is just anti-abortion it's just a movie about anti-abortion oh, and how go with this and so humans Mary humans Mary. are lives before they're actually born yeah there's definitely like not that it's a big deal for the movie itself but there are definitely when you try to tackle something as big as what is life like before and after 
you know, physical existence, there's always going to be holes that you can't fill in. So I don't want to pick on it too much for that, but it's definitely a big one. Like there, there are a lot of things that way where you can just think like, how does it, like, how does it affect someone if there was an abortion? Um, I, I, I always go to like, since you've given your passion and like, I know what you guys were trying to go back on me at that at the beginning. I know that the ending it, is that the theme is that your, your passion doesn't define you that way. It's not your purpose, but you still do have a defined passion as a soul before you're born, which I still have a big issue with that one. It's basically confirming predeterminism, which is not something I'm a fan of regardless, but if you want to go with it, go with it. I still think it's a really uninteresting way to do it. Like I hate the hall of everything is so silly to me that they just go there and then immediately find something. But what if someone went to the hall of everything and absolutely fell in love with like cinema movies are their absolute passion. And then they're born in a third world country and they're a slave and they never get to watch a single movie for their whole life. Like, how does that work? They just don't get a passion for anything because of their life circumstances. Like, like we said, See, kids, this is what's called uh, nitpicking. Yeah, the logistics are a little loose here. <laughs> I know it's nitpicking. I'm just saying I didn't. I don't enjoy that. Really. Like, like there are. It is definitely too broad of a concept. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's a little overly overthinking it a little. I just <laughs> like the idea that we are in charge of our own passions, that we aren't able to cultivate them as we live. Even the idea that 22 had to literally experience life on Earth first to get her passion, it's like, yeah, that's like regular fucking life. Like, she should have to go through these experiences to become passionate about something. Like, why are we getting a passion as a soul? That's such a silly idea. And I, and I, I actually hate it more because of the theme that it's not your purpose because it's obviously just misdirect. That whole subplot about getting your passion as your, like, Earth patch and all that bullshit was just make us think that it's such an important thing just to go back on it later like it was just obvious misdirect i i had a theory why about but why ben doesn't like this movie ben have you ever questioned your your purpose or have you always just like known what you want to do you know <laughs> uh, you ever had an existential crisis uh, no <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never. No, whatever. No, I haven't. That's just all this movie's about. I'm just like, yeah, I just don't feel like Ben's ever gone through it. So I can't enjoy this it movie. It seems like he I knows what he wants. <laughs> I mean, a movie's kind of about finding yourself and figuring out who you want to be. Because I've always lived my life with the idea that film is my passion and that I want to create stories and that my life is meaningless without it. But I no, also. No, no. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean it's like a bad movie or it's like, it doesn't mean like you're not valid or anything, but. It, I just wonder if you would have like related with it more if you. I do get that. At some point in your life, that's a fair argument, and that's a big dig at me for sure. But (laughs) maybe at some point in your life, you're gonna be completely lost. You're gonna watch this movie, and you're gonna be like, "Oh fuck." Vice versa, I do think I should relate to this movie a lot because, especially now that I'm in teacher teacher college, like a year and a half away from becoming a teacher potentially, like full time, like this could be what I'm doing for the rest of my life. And I, a lot of the time, I'm sitting at home at night, like depressed about that. I'm like, I. I don't want to just throw away all my dreams to be a teacher for the rest of my life. And I keep saying like, oh, I'll have summers off when I'm a teacher. I can write screenplays over the course of the summer or I can go do this when I'm not teaching. You know, it's a great job that way. But I still I every day I want to call Trent and quit school and then go to. You know what? Next time you feel like that, go watch Soul. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. God. All right. Is that 
Is that that? I feel like that's good. Yeah, final, final I have one other big anyway. scene I could rant about, but it's fine. All right. Um, I will say right before we go into our like last words and rating of this movie. Um, so far, it hasn't won and or it's only won one and like best animated feature award so far for all the like film critics association awards Has if that means anything like anything really there's been three so far um i had one and now i can't find it fuck so did it but like wolf uh, two of them the other ones? wolf walkers has won the chicago film critics association award for best animated film and it also won the los angeles film critics association oh that's cool one um yeah i know that the the Oscars are still going to give it to Soul, but I really hope they give it to Wolfwalkers. The Oscars yeah, just I, give I like it to Soul whatever. I think I'd rather. Sorry, the Oscars just give it to what's popular. Because, like, honestly, like, a lot of the voters admit that they don't watch the animated films. They basically just see what the most popular one is, or they ask their kids. I like Soul more, but I'd rather that movie win. I have to check it out. I haven't heard of it until today. And I, I mean, we're going to talk about Wolfwalkers eventually, but I loved that movie. I'll say one thing. I think the the comparison between the two, and I'll edge towards Wolfwalkers winning for my per, like what I like more for animated feature, just because I like the music of Wolfwalkers more than I like the music in Soul. But that not like the actual quality of the music. Don't roll your fucking eyes, Jacob. I enjoy that kind of folk, Celtic folk sound rather than jazz, and that's just my opinion. Okay. So I'm you can take kidding. that and shove no, it. Obviously, obviously, I'm super biased because I love like <laughs> Trent Reznor and jazz. Like, <laughs> but I, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are two of my favorite composers. I prefer jazz over that kind of folksy music. But I also think that the music in Wolfwalkers is more prevalent throughout the movie. I am kind of struggling to think of. I can only really remember one theme of Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor's right now from the film. And outside of the jazz pieces that are like central to the plot, I, I didn't think music was a big part of this film. I do think it was one of the best parts of the film, but like, I don't think their score was overbearing. I th- and I think it was so in Wolfwalkers, but in a good way. For me, like, I think my appreciation of it is like the fact that it's so Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Like, it's so much their style. Like, there's like a darkness to it. It's like kind of sinister, but it's also a bit more like geared towards a Pixar audience. So it is kind of. It's like still so much them, but it doesn't feel like they ever like sold out or had to compromise their sound or anything like that. It just fits like this nice little line between weird enough that's them and still really dark for a Pixar movie. It's just fascinating. To Would me. you prefer they they win the Oscar for Soul or for Meg? I was about to ask that. Meg, just think because so? it's more exciting. Like that's, I can't believe they did that. <laughs> yeah, I find myself listening to Meg score a lot. So yeah. All right, um, so should wrap this this part up, and then we can move on to Wonder Woman. Uh, so what were you guys' ratings on this? We'll start with Ben, then we'll go Alex, and we'll go Jacob, and then I'll say bye. Like I, I do, I have a lot of <laughs> negative things to say about this movie. <laughs> I don't want to say I hate it. I just hate the overall reaction to this film. Obviously, to a lesser degree, because nobody, no, like no critics were praising it as amazing. But it's similar to like Greatest Showman, where that was a movie that I thought the world would just shit on, that the world 
absolutely adored and I couldn't find a single person who saw it who also didn't like it. I didn't like it. And I know that that was a case of like most people who are bigger film fans didn't give a shit about that movie, so none of them saw it. I'm glad Alex saw it and I'm glad Alex didn't like it. <laughs> Fuck that movie. But this was one that like it's a studio I care about. I wanted it to be great. I wanted to think the way that you guys are about this movie and I just couldn't enjoy it. So sure, I'll I'll, I'll move it down to a five out of ten. Okay. <laughs> All right, Alex. Uh, so yeah, so I obviously liked it a lot more than Ben did. Um, yeah, like like I I think it's a very very good film. I didn't think it was amazing. Uh, I didn't think it was the masterpiece that it sort of been hyped up as. Uh, but I still think it's a solid like four out of five. Film. Uh, and I'm looking forward to giving it a rewatch because I think I'll like it a little more. All right, and Jacob. Yeah. I, I was going to say earlier, too, I didn't watch, like, any trailers in this movie, so just everything that happened was just so unexpected for me, and I just felt like I just had a great time with it, you know? It just really related with me, and I didn't expect it to connect that much. So, I I, I don't know. I want to say I love it, but I know there are so many issues with it. Like, I don't think it's amazing or anything like that, but it really did connect with me in a lot of ways. I, th- I see a lot of problems with it. I think the logistics of the movie are, like, the biggest issue where it's just just so sloppy to me but i think there's so much greatness regardless that yeah i give it a four out of five would recommend i want to watch it again i really just want one of you to rewatch it and think about my arguments and just lower it to even a 3.5 i'd be so happy if one of you lowered it to not like see now i'm not gonna rewatch it (laughs) um keep that greatness in my mind as I said prior, I can see where everybody's coming from with this movie, and I can, I can understand all their kind of views on this movie. Um, I have yet to find the movie that has driven me emotionally yet. <laughs> what? Actually, you've never gotten there's... emotionally invested in a movie. <laughs> Not recently. Actually, no. <laughs> there's one. There's one movie that I've gotten emotionally invested in, and we're talking about it next week. But it was only because of like one scene in particular not even like crying just like emotionally invested like at all like <laughs> what are nah. you doing next week? <laughs> i'm not an emotional person <laughs> okay <laughs> like what portrait of the lady on fire was the closest thing that got me in my feels <laughs> okay uh, <laughs> talking about that but there is a lot to take away from this movie um whether it be as you were saying earlier jacob if you're kind of at a point in your life where you're not really sure what you want to do, this movie will kind of make you think hard. <laughs> I don't know make what to you say. Feel a little bit better about make you make you feel you a little bit better. Um, I have it as I do have it as an eight out of ten, but say it, say it, <laughs> it does. I think it does go down to like a, a seven for me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ben just feels like he got a win tonight. <laughs> but it does go down to a seven for me, but it doesn't change its placement on my ranking. I mean, it's number eight right now. Yeah. Of the year or Pixar? Of the year. It okay. went from fifth and then got pushed because I watched Down the Metal, another round of Bowie State, Nomadland, and Kajillionaire. And then. From now on, when people ask me how I feel about Soul, I'm just going to say it's my 18th favorite Pixar movie. <laughs> Perfect. 
All right. So that was Soul. Um, I'm just going to speed this along to the next one because, yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. You guys ready? Yeah. We spent- All right. Cool, so. so the other Christmas release, um, this is the most streamed movie, I think, of 2020. The most watched yeah. straight to streaming title of 2020. Okay, cool. Um, Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, I was gonna say, really start. quickly, that, that kind of blows my mind, too. Like, just... Because we had, like, kind of a problem finding this. Sorry, I just had We didn't have a problem finding the, the, the it. It's just we were stubborn on spending $30 for it. Yeah, well, no, but the day it came out, it didn't drop in Canada. It didn't drop in Canada, I think, until, like, 12 p.m. or something. But it, uh, like, here, let me pull this up. Everywhere else. It's just because Crave isn't a lot of people think crave is a canadian hbo yeah, max thought, crave is canadian hbo i thought that was what's so it doesn't happen but portion of hbo max so any 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 direct hbo max release that's like warner brothers affiliated we're not going to get on crave. i'm just surprised because mm-hmm. i, I hate had that so much it wasn't that i had problem finding it but i had a slight inconvenience and the fact that i could have an inconvenience makes me feel like any other like family or like older person you know would just be like ah fuck that let's watch something else you know to be fair, most families aren't aware of it coming out right when it's supposed to come out. So even though it took us a couple extra hours to yeah, get it, yeah. nobody else. And it's Christmas Day. Nobody else was looking for it <laughs> Christmas morning. Yeah, but just even um, being on. So, I think I found it on like Cineplex.com. Like that's where I had to watch it. Yeah, I do see I, it advertised I, everywhere now. Like I turn my PS4 on, and like my PS, the PS store is trying to get me oh, to rent okay, it for okay, thirty okay. bucks. Apple TV Plus is trying to get me to rent it. I rented it on Apple. Okay. Um, All right. So this uh, is directed by Patty Jenkins. Um, It stars Gal Gadot, Chris Pine, Kristen Wiig, Pedro Pascal, Robin Wright, Connie Nielsen. Hans Zimmer did the music. Um, Yeah. Uh, It had a $200 million budget. It still had a box office number, which was just under 120 million like the biggest pandemic so movie. they're still gonna lose a ton mm-hmm. yeah i know it's, uh, it's well this movie something hmm? could kind of prove the success of vod but i feel like this kind of cements it a little bit this movie was not received all that well by a lot of people that i've seen um alex i heard i heard you feel different i guess i'll start because we'll just kind of do the same thing we did with soul we'll just go in order um i'll say this i have a little bit to say this movie for the amount of color that is on this poster there is a lack of color in this movie so except for the beginning um the beginning of this movie the first 10 15 minutes when uh What's her face? I can't remember Diana? her name. Diana. Diane. Diana. <laughs> Diana is little. Like, that was... I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed the first 10, 15 minutes of this movie when she's doing that race thing. Um, Kind of pissed me off that she was stopped from being victorious. But no, that so was really exciting. You're emotionally invested. You're emotionally oh, invested. Whatever. <laughs> um, like, yeah, the... It was a cool opening. It was like really fast paced. I was like, okay, here we fucking go. Like, it's this how the pacing of the movie is going to be. Is this what I'm going to get? Is like all this cool scenery and everything. But no. After that, I was introduced to 
the year 1984, which seemed like 2020. And they said, hey, here's the costume room. Go in and dress the part of somebody from the 80s and then do that. And then that's what I got. Um, this makes no sense, but it makes sense to me. And that's what I'll say for my opening statement. Yeah, you're saying it's like the 2020s trying to be the 80s. Yeah. And and as when I said that to you, um, you followed up with saying, yeah, it's just a lot of neon and stuff. And I was like, yeah, exactly. So I don't know. It's I feel like it did not do a good job as the 80s. And I, I guess this is just me being a fan of film and stuff. It's like the right after that scene when they're doing that like giant race thing when Diana's old now, like older and in America, there's the opening scene with the mall. And you're telling me there isn't one single thing, no poster, no nothing that resonates that is the year of 1984. And what movies did we say come out came out in 1984? It was like Ghostbusters, Gremlins. What else came out in the fucking year? 84 was a step was here. Indiana Jones, I forget. I think it was Temple of Doom. So, yeah, it was Temple yeah. of Doom, I think. Just nothing? Like, they, it seems like they did not do anything in this movie to make you feel like you were in 1984. The closest thing to that in this entire movie that I felt was, I was like, oh, okay, here we go, was when Chris Pine's character gets brought back in and he's trying out the different outfits. And then after that, they go into the city and he sees like people breakdancing and all this other stuff. And he's kind of like discovering this future that he has missed for the last like 40 years. But that was it. Pedro Pascal was great, though. And that's saying a lot because it wasn't even that great. But he was still good. I mean, it's, saying, it's obviously not saying a lot. <laughs> not that great. Um, but that's all I got. All right, Ben, you're up. All right, so... <laughs> I had no idea how I was going to feel about this movie going into it. Um, I thought I was excited for kind of throwback to that filler sequel that's just supposed to be fun and explores the characters and the world. And I'd heard that it had a lot of um, like Richard Donner Superman vibes to it. So I was excited to get that kind of throwback to just a movie I could sit down and enjoy. I think DC is good at that where it's not like i'm always expecting the next chapter of the dceu when i go into a movie i'm just expecting a fun superhero film um i really liked chris pine or chris pine and gal gadot's relationship in the first movie so i was excited that he was back as a main character i thought he was utilized really well in this film i think i know jacob's gonna rip it apart later for the the cliche statement of you know it's not a feminist movie because they had to bring the man back but i think it's super important that he's not in the first half an hour of this movie or the last half an hour like that's huge it's the worst part of the movie the first half an hour and last half an hour yeah, yeah but <laughs> it's good that they're, they're like technically the most important parts of the movie in that sense like she okay. definitely goes out on her own story wise without him it's not like she needs him it's the opposite, really. She needs to be without him in order to kind of accomplish what she does. So I think in the sense that you're picking on it, I think it's not fair. Um, but yeah, okay, okay. he's the highlight of the film. Before before Alex gets to it, I want to say, I, I saw someone else describe it saying that it's like a love story between decades. And if they bring him back in the third movie and that's the intention, I think I'll probably come around to it and I'll like it, the idea a lot more. 
but yeah, when I, when I first saw it, I was like, they couldn't go a fucking movie without bringing back Chris Pine. But yeah, Alex, you can go. Okay. So I definitely like this film a lot more than it seems most people do. Um, both critically, which is more, I'd say, mixed, and then audience-wise, which is, like, extremely negative. Um, now, it's not to say I don't understand some of the issues people are having with the movie. And even myself, I don't love the movie like I was hoping to. Um, and I do have a lot of issues with it. However, um, I do have to preface this with, I do have a fairly unorthodox taste in sort of like modern comic book movies. Um, I am very, very sick and tired of like sort of the more formulaic MCU films as of late. Um, so when I see a comic book movie that's sort of a lot more different tonally, stylistically, I am a lot more lenient and more interested in it. Um, and being able just to see um, a major comic book film that is just so unapologetically a comic book movie that doesn't give like a fuck about trying to ground itself in any reality and just taking like these massive emotional swings uh, that like they don't always work. But like the fact that just takes these massive bold swings. And the movie is just completely uncynical. There's no snark. There's no like winking at the camera. Like it is just completely, completely sincere in its like goofiness and campiness. And I just really missed that. Um, and while I do have issues with the movie, I think it is way too long um, and it does get very unfocused in the middle uh, section of the film. Um, but honestly, I think it's just very fun and charming. And I just thought it was a refreshing superhero. Say, like I kind of wish that's what I got more out of it because, I don't know, I, I didn't have too much fun with it, but I was kind of, when I heard of it first, I was hearing that as kind of like a, a fun escape, escapist, like, sequel. But I almost felt like there was just nothing to do with, like, the previous movie. Like, it just kind of felt so just, like, you guys were saying that you like that it's kind of just like a filler sequel movie, but I kind of felt like it just felt like nothing was really building on the first movie that much. It just felt like everything instead of trying to get its own identity and being its own movie, it was just kind of like going off of other superhero movies and kind of its own, the first movie in its way, like trying to bring back Chris Pine, you know, trying to bring back that dynamic and like, kind of like the people are saying like the guardians of the galaxy, like posters and stuff like that. And like that kind of eighties vibe. I thought it was really weird that like, it didn't bother me so much that it was out of the movie that much. They really start heavily heavy with the eighties aesthetic and then they kind of just drop it after a while. Like, after a while, I kind of felt like, why did this even need to be 1984? Like, it kind of goes to Cairo, and it just goes into all these weird politics that didn't really feel like it felt like it should have been there. I don't know. That was kind of big. one of my big issues, where I was like, this doesn't seem like a fun comic book movie for me, just because I was like, what the hell are we doing here? Like, where is all this going? Like, I just didn't understand it. But to be fair... I think the movie gets picked on a lot for not having that 80s aesthetic throughout, but I they kind of just got forced into a situation where if they're going to tell a story in between Wonder Woman and Justice League, it has to be somewhere between that time. So yeah. I think they kind of just picked a year. But why and would think, you do it specifically 1984? <laughs> it's because it was like the decade of excess. It's supposed to go with the whole Pedro Pascal original thing. Yeah, just, like, so Orwellian. I was like, why would we do 1984? Like, I think the, the only mistake it really made was making the title Wonder Woman 1984, because I think that kind of cements the idea in people's minds that the themes of that year and, like, the 
or it Overall, be Orwellian, and yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it needs to be right there in front of your face the whole time. But it like it's not like any other movie that takes place in a certain year always throws it in your face that it takes place then. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually. I, I oh, sorry. I let you finish. Sorry, you go. No, no, you no go. I'll let you go. Okay. Um, <laughs> not shoving the '80s stuff is actually one of the things I kind of liked about it because it, like, to me, tonally and with like a lot of the tropes that they sort of like resurrect after like decades, um, like you know, like the ditzy nerdy girl drops her stuff and then no one picks it up for her and like okay that stuff is like trophy, I was, but i kind of enjoyed it after watching batman returns yeah i watched batman returns last night and i was like this is that's that character from wonder woman basically yeah yeah like, that's catwoman <laughs> basically that's her arc that was great pretty much it's like, oh, that's yeah but like, for. exactly yeah and so like i didn't mind that stuff but like like to me it, it honestly did feel like superhero film from the 80s for the most part which i kind of like because i mean if you're going to watch it like when you watch a movie from the 80s they're not going to be walking by posters of all like the most popular movies or have like all the popular songs playing constantly um which like i get a sort of what people want and like i, I enjoy that stuff too um but that's more like a nostalgia piece of the 80s well this one just felt more like a superhero movie that came out in 84 yeah i could see that I I didn't even like consider it that way. Like it's kind of paying homage to those kind of movies of that era. Same with the body swap. Yeah, I thought I I picked up on like the body swap being like definitely like an '80s trope. I think it's crazy though how much because I don't care about this at all. But that trope is getting so much backlash. Like people That's... are saying it's a, like imp- implied rape, like with Diana, and it's like yeah. There's only one time I really thought of it in the movie is when like she's like. Basically, everything has to kind of go back to normal, and she's, like, saying to him, like, you can't go, Steve. Like, I need you to be here. It's like, do you not realize, like, this is technically somebody else's life? Like, you can't do that, Diana. But I was kind of more forgiving just seeing it as, like, she didn't really mean it. Like, she knew what had to happen and just wanted him in that moment. It's just so (laughs) funny, though, that it's getting, like, such backlash against it when it's like, oh, my God. Like, it was clearly not trying to be any deeper than that. Like... (laughs) trying to be a fun thing my only issue with it is how unnecessary that subplot was to begin with like it's just so silly that some of the wishes can do whatever they want but that that wish had that exception that he was just in someone it it just i don't know why it would ever be that did someone die from a wish wasn't that one of the things like someone got in a car crash or had a heart attack or something like that someone was just like yeah yeah what happens then (laughs) Yeah, still, you're still dead. Okay, yeah, you're in the in the cast. She goes back. He renounced her. He renounced his. <laughs> no, he renounced his wish, and then she comes. She comes back. Yeah. Um. Feel free. Oh, she was just. She was. They were performing before CPR I shit on people for this right now. Were you guys confused at the body swap situation at all? I thought no. it was a little, like not convoluted, but it was kind of like. Oh, that's what we're gonna do. Okay, whatever. I'm on board. Fine, whatever. But you understood the implications. I like. What do you mean? Like she was seeing him, but it wasn't him. Like. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't okay. really. I've seen, I've seen I didn't know one hundred percent if it was supposed to be like she's literally always seeing him, or if like the intention is she's seeing like himself, like his body language and how he actually is. You know, his the way he talks and stuff like that. I think she was literally seeing him. Yeah, I've seen a lot of confusion online of people that were unsure of if it was Chris P- 
Pine or if it was this other guy. Like, they were super confused all the way up until they, like, explained the other guy in his apartment and all that. And I was like, why were you that confused? And, like, not only were they confused, which is fine. Like, I think it's super fair to be confused in a movie. There's so many ways you can get distracted in a film or be focusing on one element while another element's important. Like, I, I don't ever want to be like, oh, you're stupid. You didn't figure that out. But people were confused in this situation that I personally did not find confusing at all. And then ripping apart the movie saying there were no proper clues or evidence to lead you to that conclusion. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't have, hesitate to think that's what it was. That she's just seeing him once she figures out that it is Chris Pine. And even then, that's... it's explained like a minute later, like in the mirror yeah. scene. Like, what more but... do you need than that? That's one of the downsides with having these types of movies on streaming is that when you're watching it at home, you know, you're more easily distracted. You'll be on your phone. Um, and I think that has been, I think missing the theatrical experience has been detrimental to this film. Um, not saying that I think had it released in theaters, it'd be like a hundred percent audience and critics score or anything, but the theatrical experience definitely helps with this stuff. And it kind of, because you're more focused, you're in a close theater paying more close attention. Um, and also like some of the nitpicky dumb stuff, you kind of just get caught up in the spectacle of it. You're not thinking too closely while watching. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think the theater experience genuinely does like heighten the experience of almost any film, but especially with blockbusters like this. I don't want to say like it's a bad movie or anything, because I feel like maybe if I came at it from the angle of like this is just like a fun 80s homage, I'd probably get a lot more out of it. But, like, when people are saying, like, it's fun, I was just kind of seeing it, and I'm just like, I don't think the entire middle part is kind of that interesting to me. I think the real fun parts of it are just stuff that I like from the first movie, you know, the Chris Pine relationship. I don't even really think Diana's that strong of a character herself. And, like, Ben, I know you're saying that, like, I hate all the DC movies and, like, the MCU ones I kind of give more forgiving on. And, like, the MCU movies always have a lot of problems, but I think they always kind of get their main character, like kind of well-defined and i think aquaman did a better job at it but like this one yeah. i don't feel like one i don't really think wonder woman's that great of a character personally so who's a better character captain marvel or wonder woman <sighs> like the thing is though there are more things i don't like about captain marvel but i think i'd come to appreciate them more like the fact that she is stubborn is kind of the point you know but i remember the first time i saw it i was like uh she's just kind of arrogant and like in over her head she literally like doesn't have any character outside of that though like that's her whole thing i don't know i'd probably say wonder woman's a better character but neither of them are very strong in my my opinion thing with with wonder woman as a character um that sort of makes her difficult adaptation wise in comparison to like superman or batman or iron man is that a lot of those characters like there's there's really one definitive version or ideal that the character shaped after well wonder woman there's really two versions of the character there's wonder woman who's like the cold-blooded warrior which we saw in the first movie and then there's like wonder woman who's more like the compassionate loving type which we see in this one which i think is kind of cool that we get to see two types of the character mm. um Where did you see the cold-blooded warrior in the first movie i mean sword and shield she's like killing german soldiers and stuff and it's more violent fight at the end and everything and I mean, like, that version in the comics, like, snaps Max Lord's neck. Right? Um, now, I, I've always preferred Wonder Woman, the lover, as a character. I just think it's more interesting and more different. Um, but understandably, people yeah. have their preferences. And uh, I definitely understand, Jacob, where it's, like, it's such a 180 from the first film. Um, and I think you are seeing that reaction a lot because it is, like, nothing like the first film at all. 
And also like Ben, I do kind of like that it is sort of a filler sequel. Um, that's one of the things I've really liked with the DCEU lately is that they sort of gone away from trying to just copy the MCU formula and are just like, we're going to make standalone movies. We're just going to give the director creative freedom and just make these stylistic. Each movie is its own thing, which I kind of like. I think it's more interesting, even though they don't always work. But I think it's a good direction to keep going into. I think the way that they kind of lay the set up the ending kind of messes up everything that they had set up for Justice League. Like, it just doesn't really flow within that movie. But it sucks. Well, I think, just, it sucks I think that they're it's just like, ignoring the Snyder stuff. Now. Yeah, it sucks that, like, Patty Jenkins obviously just wants to do her own thing. And it's like, I don't really care that much, but, you know, it sucks that it does kind of ruin what little continuity there even is in the series, you know? I only really hate it because I do, I get the idea that Patty Jenkins doesn't like having to adhere to the rules and the standards set up by someone else especially when that that is her baby you know mm-hmm. but like and I, I i'm usually one to side with that person but when your movie has such an easy way to undo itself in order to fit in with the rest of it it's literally about renouncing your wishes and undoing everything but they don't undo the entire film by the end they don't explain that like everybody has forgotten all this and that none of this happened really so it feels like a lot of what happened in the movie is remembered and <laughs> i mean she she goes on like live television at the end and has that speech to the world well, no, they, don't, they don't see her and it's I'm just still... the golden light from the lasso oh okay. like, she remembers everything but like chris pine's other guy he comes back and it's like nothing has that scene like in the mall too i'm just like what the hell the mall one i'm more forgiving of yeah yeah okay so i'll def- i'll defend <laughs> the mall thing so i the mall scene is probably my favorite scene in the movie uh, i just loved just like the mugging from the bad guys but like i have seen some people complaining how it's like well wonder woman's supposed to be in secret this whole time and obviously people are going to talk about it and it's like sure in like real life they would but like i feel like the reality that this movie sets up early on is that everyone is innately like a, a good person that can get corrupted by greed because i mean you even see like the bad guys like one of them takes hostage of a kid and like even the other bad guys are like dude what the fuck are you doing like this is horrible um and i think the assumption is that like just because wonder woman is good and she tells them to keep it a secret they just do because honestly i don't even think people a deal because i don't think that would world. blow up to the degree that the world would know who wonder woman is that would be a local news story for like a week and i mean everybody i feel like it. but she should be a war hero too in the first movie realistically okay but that's world war one like that's also just going to be a random story yeah like that's going to be a random story yeah. about some amazonian <laughs> i just mean like wonder woman like if she hasn't been doing anything for like what is it 70 years then like sure maybe it's forgotten but it's like i think it's assumed that she's supposed to be i've been fighting crime this whole time i feel like she would have been kind of figured out by now but i don't know i don't want to dive too deep on this one point because it's, it's not a big deal to me or anything i will say for some reason i don't know why i'm so forgiving with the love story of diana and uh, steve trevor because one of my biggest like one, one of the biggest cliches in romance in films that i hate is when it's supposed to be this epic romance where they've only known each other for a few days. And it's almost every film romance. And I always, I almost always hate it. Like, I love Titan. But Steve Trevor is so charming. How can you not just fall in love with him in a few days? <laughs> but like 70 years have gone by and you haven't thought of another man because this one guy you met I think for four it, days. I think it kind of hurts her character a little bit where like 
people are saying it makes her look weak, you know? I'm more forgiving. She just hasn't gone though, over because it. Because I like the idea that she's she's never met a man for the first, like, what, 30 years of her life by the first movie. So she is very naive and susceptible to that. And then when she meets this guy and he's this amazing hero, <laughs> okay. he's such a charming guy. And she does, even though she's very optimistic and she sees the best in people, she's also seen the worst the world has had to offer. And I think being a recluse is also a big part of why she doesn't find anybody else. And she's also probably just used to getting hit on by gross guys because who else is she going to meet? If she's not pursuing meeting people in the 70 years between, she's only going to meet the scumbags that are hitting on her. So I think this is a good example of how it's done well. Because I like the idea that she's kind of naive in the first film when she falls in love with him. And that there are examples of excuses for why she hasn't met anybody else. But I don't know. I don't. I usually do pick on films that have those kind of romances over a couple yeah. of days. I don't know. I liked it a lot in the first one, though. Yeah. Oh, no, I do too. I, I even though I liked '84, um, I, I do think the first one's better. But like, I do like '84. Um, but I do agree with you, Jacob, that like, even though I like the Steve Trevor Diana romance, I think they have great chemistry. It really wasn't needed for this one, and it was kind yeah, of. What if forced... I like more for her character? Yeah. I didn't dislike it, but I definitely could have done without it. So, what did we all think about Kristen Wiig? <laughs> Gabe, you want to start? Um, I think she got shafted a little bit. Unpopular opinion. I don't like Kristen Wiig that much. I'll be honest. I feel like that's a... Okay, it's not that unpopular. All right. So, it's not a crime against humanity that I said that. I did not enjoy her that much in this movie. And I don't know what it was, but I just... Like, she is known for, to do more comedic roles, and I hate to, like, subject her to just one genre, but I can't take her that seriously when she's trying to be serious. Um, That's, that's really what I say about her. I think she's had dramatic roles before. I don't think I can take her seriously when she's supposed to be, like, the scary alternate Diana, like, mm-hmm. at the... At the White House when she's supposed to be, like, super tough. And also, I feel like her powers are kind of ill-defined at the moment. And then it's just like, oh, she's literally just Diana's powers, I guess. But but she's just strong. Like, because Diana's powers are also pretty ill-defined in these movies. I want to be like Diana. She's basically just strong, but, like, without Diana's warmth or humanity. And she doesn't have the lasso of truth or the sword and shield. Can she? Like, maybe she can turn things invisible, but she hasn't practiced it at all (laughs) i surprisingly didn't hate because it led to my favorite scene of the whole movie i love the fourth of july scene invisible jet was cool to see finally but sorry gabe continue on but i do i do think she's had other good dramatic roles but i know what you're saying wait really quickly i want to cut in i thought it was funny when she came back and she was just a cat (laughs) like she wished to be a cat (laughs) Such a silly like way to get around that, like to force her into Cheetah in this film. Yeah. She's like, I want to be a Cheetah. She gets her second wish. Pedro's like, What? <laughs> <laughs> Why? She saw Andrew like the first cats on Broadway. She's like, Yep, that's me. <laughs> I, yeah. I think my uh main thing and I brought this I brought this up way back when the I think it was when DC fandom happened, actually. I remember bringing this up. Is that they introduced that she can I guess she's like she's not the main antagonist of the movie, but she is one of them for to a degree. And they showed that in the trailer, and I was like, that would have been something cool, you know, 
you know she's in this movie um but you don't really know why she's in this movie or what her role is in this movie but they kind of gave it all up in the trailer and i remember saying that and at first we were like oh no it's it's fine she's not like one of the antagonists in the movie but i don't know i wish i didn't know beforehand that she was going to be able to turn to a cat or that she turned into a cat and all that stuff and got these powers shit rocked in the trailer i know <laughs> but i just wish i didn't know that um beforehand because i would be like oh cool didn't see that coming but no i did see it coming i saw it coming for the last six months um i, I thought Kristen wig was really good and i didn't think i was gonna like because even though i do like Kristen wig i'm like i'm not gonna take her seriously as cheetah because cheetah is sort of like the main arch nemesis of wonder woman in the comics and i i liked the setup of her but then in the third act, when she showed up at the White House and now she's like full bad guy, it was like so rushed and I really didn't buy it. And honestly, it felt kind of weird because like this is a really important character in like the whole Wonder Woman mythos. And she was just like a side thing for like 15 minutes. And I, honestly, I think they should have just saved the villainous cheetah part for the third film. I think it's also like really unforgiving that by the end, when she's, like, beaten as Cheetah, it's like, like, it looks like she's killed, but I guess she's not. And then the wishes are renounced anyway. We see nothing of her. We don't even see her again after the fight. The second she's beaten in the fight, it's she's done. She's out of the movie. I think the implication is that she didn't renounce her wish. So then she'll stay young for the third one. Everyone had to renounce their wish, so she has to. I don't think everyone had to. I think just, like, vast majority. I th- I'm pretty sure they said everyone has to. She was knocked unconscious, so she couldn't couldn't do it. She didn't know. <laughs> she got lucky. Remember when the guy asked for nuclear weapons to wipe out the heathens? <laughs> what was that about? Cold War, 1980s. You tell me no one's going to wish for that? It just seems like, whoa, this is getting dark. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> All right, let's do no, something people are, to wrap this. I people, are, people are getting really mad at it because of that. And there's also another scene when he breaks, Steve breaks through the car uh, window, like the front window, and there's a, what is it, like a, a pamphlet or something like that, and it has the names of the two Muslim gods, and he like swipes it, he pulls it off and he throws it away, and people are like angry, saying this movie is like anti-Muslim, and it's like, oh fuck. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, the backlash this film has gotten, I've talked about this with Ben, it is so, more so from the audience side, it is so extreme. Like, even as someone who liked it, I can totally understand someone disliking the movie, but when I see people being like, this is the worst DC film ever made, this is like Catwoman level bad, this is like the worst film I've seen in years, this is absolutely dreadful, awful. Like, really? Like, this movie? Like, I don't really think there's enough to really hate or love. It's just sort of like a middle-of-the-road kind of thing. Personally. I, I was a lot more against it, but after watching the the couple Batman movies I did the other day, I feel like maybe that's more the tone. They're going more for... Um, kind of trying to be a bit more forgiving. Yeah, like, I, I rewatched the Richard Donner Superman and then the Richard Lester, like, Superman 2. Um, and, because I rewatched Wonder Woman 1 right before this, because I hadn't seen it in a couple of years, and that film takes so closely from the original Superman in structure and tone, and this one is more like the campier sequels, but it very much takes that same optimism and sort of wholesome quality to it. Mm-hmm. 
I think one of my big issues though is yeah, it's it's a little too long. But besides that, you know, that's like one of the main things. It's like I don't really want to kind of go back to it because of the length. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of going to turn me off from revisiting it. It is. I do want to kind of give it another viewing with that in mind, you know? Yeah. What were you going to say, Ben? I was just saying it is super long. There's definitely a better, like, two-hour, ten-minute cut of this film out there. Yeah. Yeah, you can probably do without a lot of it. I thought the... The one the one part of the controversy that I'm just... I read a bit on that I thought was worth mentioning was... There's, like, the one scene when she stops the, the missile from hitting the kids playing soccer. Mm-hmm. And there's an incident in 2014 that it like it really closely mirrors where I think it was like Israel troops like uh, killed some some children that were playing soccer. And it's like, oh, why would you like, did they know about that? Or like, I feel like that's a massive stretch. It just seems honest. like, yeah, I feel like they probably just didn't. If, if they didn't know about it, then it's like, oh, it just it sucks that it like mirrors that situation really clearly, you know? Yeah, and I guess it doesn't help that Gal Gadot was part of like the IDF and like she was a soldier in the Israeli army and she has made some controversial yeah. comments regarding some of the military activity, but I think that's honestly, I think that's a bit of a stretch. Personally. That's, that's kind of what it ties into is people think it's kind of like all kind of like a bit of propaganda. I don't know. I, I could see like Gal Gadot having nothing to do with it, really. Like she didn't write the movie or anything. But I did think that it was weird that like Patty Jenkins wanting to take the movie into that territory at all. I thought it seemed kind of just. But the chase scene was one of the best parts. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. See, Wonder Woman slow mo kicking German soldiers boring. Wonder Woman catching bullets with her lasso. And lassoing rockets to fly across, that's awesome. That's what I want to see in my comic book movies. I want to see goofy stuff like that. I want to see more people getting saved. Like, more just helping people out. Yeah. Like, people are talking about how, like, those Superman movies, like, he doesn't save anybody. And when he does, he just looks really bummed out about it. Yeah, I'm not a fan of, uh, I don't hate this. He doesn't seem to be enjoying it. I don't hate the Snyder Superman movies just because I think they're too interesting of like bad films to really hate them. But yeah, I really dislike their portrayals. Yeah. All right, Gabe, you want to kick off our final thoughts? Sure. Um, yeah, overall, I didn't really enjoy this movie. I think it is really, really fucking long. Um, it just kind of it loses my interest about a quarter of the way through to about just over the halfway mark then it got a little more interesting i don't know i just i do look at my phone a lot when i watch movies but this one there was just times when i was just like is there something else i could do right now could i could i just like not pay attention to this (laughs) um but it was like i will give it the benefit of the doubt it is fun in certain points and i can see when you guys call it campy like i can agree with that and that's how I would like superhero movies to be moving forward. Um, I just don't think that it really hit the nail on the head with that. I think it tried to be as best like kind of fun and be like, okay, this is like a superhero movie. Don't take everything too seriously. I just feel like I missed the mark a little bit. Um, yeah, am great. I excited for the third one? When there's a third one? No. Will I watch it? Probably. Because I'm already invested five hours of my time into this 
that's like me and any series, you know? <laughs> I'm like, well, I might as well watch the third. Anything yeah. else with Wonder Woman, I'm going to go watch now. <laughs> um, Rating overall, overall, I give it like... Uh, probably like... I'll give it like a five. Like... Out of five? I love it. <laughs> out of ten. Okay. 2.5 okay. out of five. I'll I'll give it like a fifty percent. So, yeah, Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. All right, Jacob. Uh, I don't know. I I expected this conversation to be a lot more negative, but after watching, like I said, after watching those two Batman movies, I am feeling like maybe the eighties campiness is something that they were trying to go for more. Like even having Cheetah's character kind of directly be a parallel to like Catwoman like it's very very similar it makes me feel like they're kind of definitely leaning into that a lot more and I just didn't really like recognize it as much so I don't know I gave it a four when I rated it like out of no a four out of ten when I rated it but I think I'd kind of bring it up to a five just because I think maybe I was a little critical and I, I have to watch it again and maybe I'll have a bit more fun with it because yeah I didn't really have that much of a blast with it but you know, I thought it was still a good a good time, you know? Like, it was still worth checking out, I thought. I didn't feel like, oh, I wasted, like, two hours and 40 minutes or anything like that. Like I said, I'll go watch the third one, you know? And there's still, like, a lot of really good stuff in there. Pedro Pascal's great, you know? I love the, the relationship between Diane and, and Steve. The action scenes are, like, some of the, you know, most fun we've we've had in, like, decades. And, like, yeah, I just like movies that kind of embrace the campiness. So I think I'd probably be a bit more warm to it on the second watch. You're saying the most fun in decades? I think you mean in terms of superhero movies. Yeah, like, superhero okay. movies, I just feel like the action is always just, like, so serious. Terrible. And like, like, I like I like watching Iron Man and Captain America fight, you know what I mean? But it's not fun, you know? Like, it's like, this is cool, you know? It was just so, like, she, she lassoed a missile in flew on it like that's the silliest thing i've ever seen it's great you know it's great. Like, that's so fun i think the only like yeah. big cgi superhero movie action scene i've ever liked was just the end of aquaman just because of how bonkers it was and yeah i just want more of that silly ridiculous uh, just big kaijus and like fucking it crap is, people it was great it's also insane that that's the ending of the <laughs> first movie like that feels like trilogy or something i know i know <laughs> uh i just wish like th- that's another thing too i was saying to ben i think like the villains in these movies are so great like patrick wilson as i forget his name right now ocean patrick master. wilson in aquaman <laughs> couldn't even say it without so, yeah ocean master he's so great and he's awesome he's so funny like pedro pascal he just jared leto into the, the campiness jared, like, jared leto they they <laughs> okay well <laughs> Since I was gonna say even Ewan McGregor, like so since I don't know, maybe Aquaman, they've been killing it with the, the villains. Black Mantra didn't really get a good chance, but it didn't really like um They've been killing it with the white men. Why am I forgetting his name? Mark whatever from Shazam. I thought he was pretty good. Yeah, Shazam was a great film, but um he was yeah, he wasn't a great film. He had a few good moments though. Getting kind of 
tired of his shit. I don't think he was great. Yeah, I love yeah, that, he's that like boardroom the, scene like when they kill everybody. Like, like scares the shit out of every kid in the theater. But yeah, it's wild. That's more so the seven deadly yeah. sins being scary than it is him being a good villain. I don't know. I didn't really like him as a villain. Yeah. But uh, you guys want to rate it? Okay, so yeah, I, I have two more things I'll say about this film to wrap it up. Um, of the two movies that came out on Christmas, I didn't expect that this would be the one that would make me cry and that Soul didn't. What? what? <laughs> when did he cry? <laughs> like, cry, cry, but I teared up when she had to say bye to Chris Pine. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, I just love Chris Pine, so I felt like I was saying bye to Chris Pine. Okay. okay. And, uh, I don't know, I like their love story, so I felt it was emotional. And, like, we know that at least up until Justice League, she doesn't ever see him again, so it's like, yeah, this is the last time she's ever going to see her true love, you know? So I got a little teary-eyed, and I do love the next scene where she flies and then lassos the lightning. We didn't talk about that. That I know it was a trailer. I, I hate that that was in the trailer because that was sick. It was super silly, but it re that really is the one time of the film where it really reminded me of like Richard Donner's Superman. Like it felt like Superman taking off flight for the first time. And it felt rewarding. Like it, it was the big, like the invisible jet, her turning it invisible was a bit silly. But if you would have asked me, like, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm back and forth on when I like to take my comic book movies seriously and when I want them to be comic booky. And if you would have asked me in 2017, do I want Wonder Woman to ever bring the invisible jet in? I would have said no. I would have said that's the one thing. It's like, it's just stupid. It doesn't add anything. It's silly. But they found a way to still, it was such, it was really silly in a really silly movie. And it was one of the most, like, poignant, emotional moments of the entire film. Like, because they don't, they don't like really pay attention to the fact that she's turning the jet invisible. The second it happens, it's just they let the scene play out organically. And it's great. It's one of the best scenes. It looks great visually. I love the characters' reactions to it. It's just a good, quiet character moment. And same with her saying bye to Chris, pa or Chris Pine and then taking off flight for the first time. I thought that was a really well-deserved like, character moment for Diana. And, um, but one thing I hate about, not hate about this movie, but one thing I hate about what they're doing with Wonder Woman is I hate that they try to pretend that her being an Amazonian is important in any way, but across, like, all four films, it's only ever touched upon, like, once per film. Like, I think it's mentioned in BVS, there's the one scene on Themyscira in Justice League that has nothing to do with her, really. It's just the scene of Steppenwolf getting the box from Themyscira and then the start of Wonder Woman and the start of Wonder Woman 84 like I, to me it's crazy that there's no like going back to Themyscira for her and that there's no connection back to her people and then this movie just starts off with a 10 minute flashback and they never go back to her roots it's like I, I so I really hope in the third film especially now that we know Linda Carter or Linda Carter is going to be probably in the third movie as whatever that Themyscirian hero was. Asteria, yeah. I think. Asteria. Um, which, like, I also think was a bit weird that she didn't play that big a role. In the, they probably should have had her play a bigger role in the film to have that payoff at the end, but, like, whatever. It was cool to see the original Wonder Woman come back, obviously, so cool cameo. Um, but, yeah, knowing she's probably going to have a bigger presence in number three, I hope that her Amazonian backstory does as well. Like, I hope that a lot of it takes place on the mascara. And then I, I gave it a, I gave it a six out of 10, but it's probably a 5.5. Yeah. So obviously of this group, I liked it the most. I gave it a seven. 
because um, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, there was two things I wanted to bring up, though. Um, although one of them was the Linda Carter thing. Uh, that was my probably my favorite. I, I I didn't know that was in the movie, and I straight up jumped out of my seat and like went like, "Oh shit, that's Linda Carter." Um, but speaking of Linda Carter, my one big negative of this movie is that she did not do the Wonder Woman spin to change into costume, like in the old '70s show. I think if they did that, the film would have been a lot better. That would be um, great. <laughs> that would be really funny. <laughs> I, that's one thing I miss. Even watching the old Superman, there's parts where he really? just like, because in like the old Superman, there's a part where he really jumps off a building and he starts flying. His costume just like transparently appears. I'm like, oh my god, I love that. And yeah, we actually didn't talk a lot about Pedro Pascal, surprisingly. But um, yeah, he was great. He was just like hamming it up like crazy. Um, and I absolutely loved the ending, how she defeated him. It was like very, very Wonder Woman, you know, just appealing to his like compassion and emotions. Um, and I thought that was really cool because we don't see that sort of thing in these comic book movies um, where there's just like not a lot of action and it's more just like character stuff. Whether it worked for you or not, I thought it was cool. Um, I'll admit that I feel like in this kind of scenario, the general ending is a lot more pessimistic now, where it's just kind of, they appeal to their better nature, the villain doesn't have a better nature, the villain dies, like they, they, she tricks the villain, the villain dies, and then she uses her better nature to win the world back. Yeah. I feel like they never ever appeal to a villain's better nature anymore yeah. as much, think, so it wasn't nice. Yeah, and that, that's what makes Wonder Woman's character, because she is supposed to be the more compassionate um like superhero of all of them um and yeah no I, i'm definitely excited for wonder woman 3 um and i think you know just like patty jenkins got with this one i, I i'll always support directors getting creative control um because i think it's good when these movies have like a singular vision and they don't just feel like a committee formulaic thing however i do think there needs to be an editor and i think there needs to be a different co-writer than jeff johns because that man can write comics he cannot write movies because um, I think there is a very good film in here, or sorry, I think there's a great film in here that is lost in the two and a half hours, because it does get very unfocused and messy. Um, but all in all, like, I did enjoy it quite a bit, um, and I did like it more than most um, comic book movies I've seen lately. Um, but again, my tastes are pretty, like, unorthodox with these things, and I enjoy it when they're more goofy and comic booky. so. All right. So, yeah. All right. You guys uh, give it a rating? Yeah. Uh, so... Wait, you said 7 out of 10. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 7 out of 10, yeah. Um, do we talk about the future of the yeah. DCEU? What's coming up next year? Because they have an exciting... We... Next year, what, there's a Zack Snyder's Justice League, which I'm sure everyone here is absolutely beyond excited for. Well, I can't wait for, for the black episode. and white. You're being sarcastic, but I am pretty stoked for it. So you want to come back? I am excited You want to come it, back so. for that episode? We're probably going to cover that at some point. Uh, I, I would. It would be fun to do a, a Snyderverse episode. Because um, week to week, or are we just going to do it once it's all out? I figure probably once it's all out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually am excited for Zack Snyder. Like, I, I don't expect to like it, but I, I, I think it'll be very, very interesting, nonetheless. Because we've never seen this. I think it'd be more interesting than the movie that came out. Oh so. God, yeah. Uh, I just, it's insane to me that this is still a thing, and all of, every every time new information comes out about this film, I'm astonished. Like, I, I... <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, DC, every time I hear new news about DC, I get pretty excited. Like, The Flash, having Michael Keaton, that's it's awesome. Like, like, insane. It's crazy that they somehow it, announced... Like, that sounds great. 
two Batman being in it, the most recent one, and like one of the oldest ones, and both of them are similar in like their unexpectedness. Because one of them is like, oh, everyone thought Ben Affleck was done with the character, even though he was just in it a couple years ago. Everyone thought he was done with the role. So it's crazy that even bringing back the most recent Batman was insane, but then also bringing back 89 kids Batman is like beyond exciting. And then you know Suicide Squad. Um, I just still can't believe there's a four hours of footage for Justice League just sitting there. Like, yeah, I will say that's my one thing I'm kind of not super excited for is that I, I kind of, how do I put it? I, I would have liked to have just seen the director's cut because now that they gave him like 70 million to like add footage that like he would have done for the sequels that he obviously won't get to do, which I, like on one hand, I think it's cool that he can basically just finish the Snyderverse. Um, but I also kind of wanted to see what just but, the original vision was without years of thinking it over and yeah. trying to add new stuff to it. But Alex, most most of the money is just going into the effects. No, no, I know. Done. He's only shot two new scenes. I know, but still. <laughs> two, what do you mean still? Two new scenes, that's it. And one of them is just a Joker Yay. cameo from Jared yeah, Leto. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> It's not... I, that's one of the biggest things for me too is i thought they were going to add like half an hour of footage to the film but there was already four hours of film footage just sitting there and they're only they've only added two the thing scenes. with the four hours though is that if if snyder's cut in 2017 did release it would not have been a four-hour movie it would have been like three hours max yeah probably even like two hours might be two, two very very bloated film which, like, on one hand, it might kind of feel like this one where you're going to watch a lot of scenes like, okay, interesting, but it could have been cut. Um, but either way, it's it, it's going to be interesting to see how it comes together because it is kind of unprecedented to see this type of redo uh, of a big film like that. Um, I'm still hoping Warner Brothers releases the director's cut of Batman forever, but uh, I don't think that's happening. All right, well, I guess that's uh, that's kind of it. You guys got any more else? For joining us this week, Alex, you are our first ever guest. Um, yeah, thank you. Un- under the... Yeah, it was fun. It was fun to join you guys. I didn't even Same. say the name of the podcast. I kind of forgot our name at the beginning, so I didn't introduce <laughs> it. Under the Great Lakes. <laughs> yeah. That's all. Want me to wrap it up, and then I can. All right. Well, this is under the Great Lakes podcast. The th- name that Ben did not say. So people listened to like two hours of this and didn't know what they were listening to, I guess. They thought it was the Ben and Alex cast. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um. Thanks, thanks, Alex, for joining. This has been a lot of fun. You have a lot more uh, DC insight than I definitely do. So it's good <laughs> to have somebody that knows what the fuck they're talking about. Um. Other than that, that was Soul Wonder Woman 1984. Follow us on Twitter at UTGLpod. Um, our letterbox accounts are in the bottom and Alex if you have a letterbox account I will also put that in the description as well um, next week we are going to be talking about two of my personal favorites of the year I think right am I getting that right um, are, doing... are they your favorite picks of the year I don't know <laughs> so far well no I'm asking Are you know yeah, my no, pick, I, two I know pick, what favorite we're talking about I'm just messing with you okay 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 so next week we are doing Sound of Metal and Another Round. Um, those two are my favorite of the year. I was just asking to see if those were the two we were doing next week. Um, but yeah, the next few weeks, or next few episodes, I should say, 
not the next few because the next few episodes are going to be pretty loaded um because a lot of movies that we are all looking forward to are starting to get on-demand releases so is this going to be our last episode before the 2020 wrap-up no we're doing potentially you just said no no, that is that going to be the final episode before yeah yeah because uh then we're going to fall into movies releasing in like two months into 2021 and then it'll be kind of weird to put them in but yeah so our year in review and 2020 movies wrap up will uh will be coming shortly after the next episode yeah i still have to watch sound of metal but another round is currently my favorite film of the year so they were very close for me and yeah i saw jacob actually hate sound of metal oh my god (laughs) (laughs) dropped his rating dropped a rating and i just hate it now yeah you either love it it's still really good we'll talk about it next week you know yeah um all right adios thanks for listening peace and we'll see you soon bye